Oh, it's Combs and Doe. We're back in the saddle, which is appropriate, given it's Melbourne Cup Day, the race that stops the nation, as opposed to uh, the race that makes the nation, which is sort of a Nazi concept. Um, hey, Kaz. How you going? Not bad, not bad. How about you? Do you watch the race? Fresh. No, I didn't watch the race, but I did watch Commando the other day. <laughs> <laughs> a few sexy fillies in that, too. How was that? But yeah, the horses in the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, fuck yeah. Apparently a female jockey won this year. Yeah, props. Yeah, it seems probably. like it's a global conspiracy with all this uh, Ronda Rousey on the cover of men's magazines and female jockeys winning the Melbourne Cup. Just because she's muscular doesn't mean that she can get away with running as a horse. I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit unfair. Good evening. <laughs> Your dad just told us downstairs that uh, apparently some guy put a uh, two what was it two grand on the the horse to win just before the race. It was an outsider at a hundred to one and made away with a sleazy little two hundred grand. That would have been all right this afternoon. Fuck yeah! And yeah, in all seriousness, props to the, the girl that won the Melbourne Cup. She was the first um first woman to win it wasn't she yeah as a jockey i think so and that is pretty impressive because it's a boys club i imagine and i stress the word boys um being it's our little jo- jockey fellas um but i don't know you wouldn't want to rile them up too much or they'll be kind of threatening you like i'm gonna get my dad to beat your dad up and all this <laughs> sort of shit you know <laughs> i don't follow horse racing like that closely or anything so the only other thing i have heard recently was like some dude was it the head of horse racing like the judging or something oh, like that some bikey some thing. weird thing to do with it and his house got shut up like yeah. the front shut up the front door so damn damn yeah the bikies are involved in that that's sort of that classic Australian criminal underworld can't you imagine sort of like these yeah. old established cliques like horse racing yeah, and like racing, racing and, and bookies and, yeah. and all yeah not really part of that scene too much <laughs> not since my union days at least <laughs> but what's been happening around here it has been a little while since I've come around yeah it's been uh, been pretty quiet Made a made a few beats, a bit of music, just been trying to lock into getting some more creative juices flowing. That's always good to get the juices flowing. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't be here for a while. I, I had to go to Africa. I was needed to um, rescue some of those schoolgirls from Boko Haram, the Islamist group. Were you with the UN or was it No, no, no. I, I was with the British SAS, actually. They've got me on secondment over there. Um, and, you know, we rescued them and it was, it was good. And I had a lot who wanted to marry me, you know. They were like, oh, Mr. Corns we will all be your wife and everything and i'm like oh, so settle down sasha and everything like that but you know with britain this health and safety culture people always complain it's a nanny state and you know maybe there's some merit to it or not but i really think it has gone too far because when i was with that group and we were raiding it just out in the nigerian bush our higher up commanders actually said that we had to wear those yellow high visibility vests over the top of our camouflage <laughs> Can you believe that? That's all HNS for you. Yeah, exactly. So I lodged a formal complaint with the HR check. So, <laughs> so what? You are you've been sick and you've been quarantined, or what? Yeah, there's a bit of Ebola around there. Got a touch of the Ebola, touch of the AIDS. Um, you know, standard thing when you're coming back from West Africa. But no, it's good. Lovely people. Lovely people. <laughs> Fuck. 
You, you've been legit sick though, haven't you? I think it's fucked up the wiring in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's the Timbuktu tapeworm, actually, I think, <laughs> doing that to me. But uh, no, I'm just joking, of course. Uh, I, I haven't been to West Africa. Just a little fantasy of mine. Um, but I, I have been a little bit to the hinterland around Sydney. Um, last weekend, I went up to Katoomba which was fun and then for a friend's wedding this weekend i went up to st albans which is a weird little uh, river town just up near the hawkesbury so there were a couple of nice little trips out of the city um it was, was for, it on the river uh just up from the river like on a tributary of the river and it stayed in this old converted sort of courthouse it's called the courthouse b&b and so like the bathrooms have like cell doors on them <laughs> and it's like oh this is so cute and so quaint and after a while i was like i reckon they've hanged quite a lot of people in here <laughs> Like for for real or whatever. So, but the guy who runs it tells me, uh, told us that um, there aren't any ghosts there. <laughs> they had um fucking they had they and this is for real. We had ghost hunters here, all right? They did. They had ghost hunters who came up from Sydney and they told him like, yeah, you've got like residue of like spirits, but there's no actual like presence here. And stuff. And he's like, oh, that's good then. But yeah. You weak-minded fool. Exactly, exactly. But you know, um, I guess that's. Everybody needs a way to live their life. <laughs> if you're open to that kind of thinking, I'm sure that you can you can have those kind of experiences, but whether they're coming from inside your own brain rather mm. than these these mystery ghosts flying around in yeah. the air. You can discover bullshit anywhere, yeah. I think, really, if you set your mind to I it. I guess we'd have to get into like a whole debate on mass consciousness and shit if you really want to get down on that level but oh yeah but i don't want to do that it's just heavy dog i'm still struggling with my own consciousness but um <laughs> on that note uh, I yeah remember- such is life <laughs> exactly ned kelly's last words <laughs> he probably got hanged there um i mentioned a few weeks ago about this awkward moment with a lady in the pedestrian tunnel near my work that i thought was like a bum and i was going to give her money but then she didn't have a hat out and she was dressed nicely and it was all really awkward and i sort of got my money out yeah, she was trying to sell something to you she was hand reading i saw her later she was doing like palm reading or whatever oh okay so so i haven't done any of that but uh i don't know what do you reckon what do you reckon they could tell from your palms (laughs) these palms tell a story bro (laughs) what story is that well rather than just going for the default i guess um got some calluses from doing barbells and uh, a few dumbbells yeah bit of hard work there bit of hard yakka builds up some hard hands ain't no sissy boy a little soft office hands huh yeah, I was. Uh, I actually watched a YouTube video recently. I've been, I've been on the bodybuilding motivational videos a little bit, like with Arnie, like yeah, you can do it. Um, and I came across a few from the golden era of bodybuilding, like in the '60s, '70s, and you know when Arnie was winning pretty much. Sure. Uh, and this guy Andreas Colling from Sweden, I believe was talking about how they used to use weed during workouts and stuff and a lot of guys would smoke joints and stuff at gold's gym before training and even during training cool and that made me feel quite a lot better about the way that i do my workouts so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so I'm like, fuck i'm professional by intuition yeah no you just you just discovered that on your own i think which- boom 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 well, that's all As, right. As uh, Slim Jesus would say. <laughs> <laughs> Slim Jesus, if you want to have a look at him, is a, a, a rapper of a Caucasian persuasion, I suppose. Um, he, he's kind of an actor, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 
See, I hate a, I hate an actor that plays a rapper, you know, as Big Pun said. But this guy, you know, it's a catchy song. But it he, is a catchy song. He does look like he has fetal alcohol syndrome. Um, if you cross, and if you took the song seriously, you'd be scared for your life. But he just seems he seems pretty fake. I just realized what he looks like. If you cross Eminem with that little kid that plays the banjo in Deliverance, it would look like Slim Jesus or whatever. <laughs> I think so. Um, but it's funny you should talk about that Arnie stuff because I forgot how I got onto it, but I ended up watching a little bit at home the other day. Um, and it was a documentary. I don't think it was Pumping Iron, but it was one from like 1980 about when he... Yeah, I've seen that too. Arnie, Total Rebuild, I think it is. Maybe that, where Arnie had been off for like five years. In Sydney, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's in Sydney and he comes back and wins it. And there was a, a lot of controversy in the comments about whether he deserved to win or not. <laughs> um, but there's a Bond guy in it with a mad philosophical approach to it. I forget what his name is. I think He, he won in- with charisma pretty much like yeah. Arnie's just so fucking charismatic he did have an awesome body and the symmetry and everything that he got and the ratio of muscle to you know like he looked quite perfect yeah where other guys would have bigger arms than him or they'd have bigger thighs than him yeah. but just the way that they looked didn't look as like ooh, like this chiseled greek sculpture thing yeah he i don't know what that x factor is because i was looking at them and a lot of them were sort of like you know well fucking bulky and stuff and it's not even that arnie has like a handsome face or anything but it's his presence as well he's just happy all the time he's always like sort of semi-joking with everyone in like in a fucky way sometimes Mm, in a fucky sort of arrogant way yeah but so like you just (laughs) i don't know if that's just watching it on on celluloid and shit but he just seems like it was fun to be around all the time yeah, it makes you wonder why he had an affair with that weird sort of Mexican housekeeper and stuff as well, too. <laughs> Something's going on there. I think there's a good uh, Bill Burr bit about that whole that whole thing, and it's just like, how can you ever experience, until you're on that level of fame, what that kind of... Like, getting offered pussy at every three steps is actually like, you know? Like, yeah. I think Bill Burr's like, yeah, like Tiger Woods coming off the the 18th hole to a busload of scandinavian women yeah. all this shit trying to trying to fuck your brains out <laughs> yeah his texts go were, fuck yourself his texts were pretty funny i remember reading some of them and it's like oh you're just a regular sort of dirtbag and shit ah <laughs> oh, men but yeah but till you're in that position seriously yeah until you know what it's like to be napoleon or jared leto it's sort of hard you know <laughs> those sort of world beaters People would have used to say James Dean, but wasn't he, um, didn't it come out that he was gay? Wait, James Dean, the pop cultural icon or the James Dean, the porn star? Oh, yeah, the pop cultural icon. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. No, I think James Dean, the porn star, is banging, um, (laughs) Stoyer, (laughs) the digital playground star. Oh, well, you're all up on this gossip. Yeah, I think they're pretty married, yeah. How does that marriage work? (laughs) how does marriage work how does that marriage work I get how normal marriages work but I guess you just support each other in your work and then um save anal for your marriage or something I don't know Uh, actually I've seen the video she doesn't do that (laughs) it's got to be something really special that they save for each other then huh (laughs) some sort of tenderness some sort of little yeah the face to face no slapping kind of some sort of or maybe just no cameras is more sensual for them I know, that would be kind of kinky, huh? Oh, no cameras. <laughs> hey, it's our anniversary tonight. Let's leave the cameras off. <laughs> I wonder if that is actually kind of kind of more arousing for porn stars. Oh, well, I was... Because I'm sure at first it might be off-putting, but you probably... 
you know, if, if it is kind of ego-driven for a lot of them, it could be more arousing with the cameras, but then does it get to a point where it reverses and then you're like, ooh. Well, I suppose if they do have a relationship, there's got to be some little island of intimacy that they kind of can practice away from all that shit. But, uh, like, when, when I make love to you, I'm not going to shoot Viagra straight into my dick. Yeah, that's sort of I thing. don't even need it. <laughs> and that shit goes on. Yeah. You've seen the interview in um, Bigger, Faster, Stronger, that steroids documentary? Yeah. And um, they're talking to a porn star, and the dude injects Viagra directly into his penis to perform better. Man. Like, dude, Bigger. maybe choose another fucking job. <laughs> Bigger, Faster, Stronger. Well, I guess it's a performance enhancer. They were just relating different performance enhancers to how people come down so hard on performance enhancing in sports. Yeah. As opposed to in music, they compare it... In the documentary, they compare it with music and beta blockers, like yeah. Xanax and stuff, or whatever the real beta blockers are. And or then going for auditions and beating other people out. and Even you could say with music, like, I guess, like, acid and coke and stuff are performance-enhancing drugs, or heroin and stuff as well, too. Uh, that would be the analogous yeah, thing to it, right? Because then the point comes down to it being that you can't just take acid and be awesome at the thing or you can't just take steroids and then look like Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah and yeah yeah there still is this level of like you need skill and dedication but the the one that I kind of see it in is the fight sports game especially mm-hmm. like MMA and stuff if you do steroids and then you get an unfair advantage the advantage that you're getting then has the potential to either kill or really injure your opponent okay so it's got to be either everyone can do it and then everyone probably will do it because otherwise you potentially weaker and have less stamina than your opponent. So mm-hmm. the, the bands in fight sports, I think, probably do make sense. Yeah. But apart from that, like, steroid dudes at the gym, who gives a fuck about that? Like, yeah. it's all cosmetic and shit. The dudes in contests, like, doing deadlifts and all that shit, if it's like a... You could have, like, a drug contest and a no-drug contest and they test in the no-drugs one, you know? But yeah. Who really cares about that? But the music thing, if it's going to make better music, like, the only one I really had the problem with is the, the fight sports singer. I think it's come up on a few other podcasts and stuff like the that. The what thing? The fight sports. Like, the fight yeah. sports. Yeah. It makes me wonder, because you know how they've got, like, bath, bath salts, how it's gone away a bit now, but you know, over the past couple of years, there was a big fuss about this whole bath salt synthetic drug things. Yeah. And the whole gist of it was sort of, like, they can be synthesized with new compounds and released through, like, shops and stuff before law enforcement can kind of catch up with them and stuff. Um, is that sort of stuff going on in professional sports? Like, you'd think that... I'd say it totally would be. Yeah, it's like, okay, we test for HGH test for or whatever now. Shit, yeah. And then you've like, haha. And you're I've smoking got- that chronic fucked up weed that makes you hive it all cracked in the head and shit. Yeah. And like, crack- oh, I, don't really, crack- I don't really like it, but it's like, oh, at least I can pass the piss test. Or <laughs> yeah, pass the piss test. That would be all right. <laughs> well, speaking of that, I can't, I can't remember what it was. I want to give the guys props, but I, I read an article online recently as well about this this guy down in Melbourne, I think, that's yeah. running a store w- with, like, mouthwash to pass saliva tests and, like, other ones that you drink to try and pass a urine test within a few days and, like, yeah. all these, like, ones that seem to have been scientifically tested a bit and he's trying to sell, sell them to pass drug tests and shit, which are... 
I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> well, that is pretty cool. And the flip side to that is I was in the chemist the other week and uh, picking up something. And I was with my girlfriend and she's like, oh, I pointed out and there's something with a weed leaf on it. And she's like, oh, they should get that for you. And I looked at it and I'm like, oh, okay. I thought it was one of those things, like flush out weed quickly. And but stuff it was actually a tester kit. But it was, yeah, test for weed instead. Was it a saliva kit? I don't know. But who's buying those just randomly from a chemist or whatever? Well, yeah, I, I reckon it would be the employee so yeah. that then you're like, ooh, and you can try and test out <laughs> if oh, you're going to test you positive it. and all that kind like of shit. Like having your own little breath. Maybe it's for the employers as well. They can just go to the pharmacy and get a bunch of tester kits. But I thought that was more, at my previous job where they did that, it was more subcontracted to the the physician that you're going to to get your checkup or to get your physical. Yeah. Because I was in an industry where it's like there were security guards working there as well, so it was quite full-on... You know, like, they were pretty iced up, yeah. Yeah, and they're like, no, the, yeah. <laughs> the security for the security guards was hardcore, so they always had to get tested sure. in that because the company was associated with that, so did people in the office, right? That's kind of gay. Yeah. So yeah. it was up for random. It never actually happened to me. It was just randomly. And uh, if you change roles, I think it happened. Yeah. So I just didn't change roles. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's commitment to the lifestyle. Commitment. And when I did, it was just like forced. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going for this and like, oh, we'll get you a checkup. It was like, no, you're doing this now. So it was yeah. never like a, you have to go to a, get a checkup. Yeah. I heard George W. Bush wasn't going to run for president because he heard there was going to be a test for cocaine. But then they're like, <laughs> they're like, no, you can get around it or whatever. And he was like, what? How long was the last? <laughs> I've been cocked up for the past decade. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, it makes you wonder. But I don't know. That seems a little bit bullshit. Unless you're directly involved in sort of, I suppose, security guard mining and shit, obviously, and stuff. If you're operating these giant hydraulic hoses and stuff, you don't yeah, want to be high so stakes fun. government positions and stuff. There's that, like the old Chappelle bit where he's like, oh, the presidents are having like the the falling out or whatever, and George Bush is going to suck the dude's dick to for democracy or something like that. <laughs> I just mangled the fuck out of that. Jesus. Well, it makes you long for the old days because this is, this is true too. In World War II, um, when Churchill and his cabinet needed to stay up late, you know, planning the war, like they were in this underground bunker under London, like often hearing the boom, 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 like Luftwaffe bombs uh, above them. And basically they survived on whiskey and cocaine to keep them up. <laughs> Straight up, like the whole war cabinet, like all these like six-year-old men and shit, like, just doing little bits of cocaine. <laughs> it's pretty fresh. And they won that war, so I think there's a logic there for us. Maybe if George W. Bush was allowed to do more coke with his advisors, then we wouldn't be in such a mess in Iraq. But... <laughs> I guess I guess that's alternate history now, isn't it? Fuck oh, yeah, George W. Bush does seem like a bit of a cocaine-fueled nightmare. <laughs> I miss that guy. I miss that guy. <laughs> I'm bored of Obama. Um, you reckon if I speak like this, anyone will notice? <laughs> he is pretty good. He is pretty good. Hey, you know what makes me feel old? I checked the other day, out of interest, how old my Gmail account was. And um, I've had a Gmail account for 11 years now. It's pretty old. My first message was to a friend of ours, Big Dog. And I was like, hey, fag. And he replied back. And then I replied like, hey, fag again. He didn't reply back. So when I was checking it, I replied to it again, like 11 years later, telling him to reply. (laughs) So hopefully he gets that and it fucks him up a little bit. (laughs) Uh, 
I was looking for actually the earliest email between you and me because it might be funny. And the earliest I could find was us discussing the Dragon Force show we went to in about 2007. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Yeah, Dragon Force. That that show is pretty epic. For a um a crazy metal band with all this stuff going on with organs, you know, playing arpeggios and the guitars doing all this crazy soloing the whole time. It was really easy to follow the songs. The songs are structured really easily. Yeah. Even though all this crazy shit's going on the whole time, so... Yeah. Like, I... Going to, like, punk or skate punk kind of shows, like No Effects or Lagwagon or Strung Out and shit like that, when they would play a new song, I'd find it really hard to pick out that song that you heard at their set mm-hmm. on the new album and shit like that. I was like, oh, it's kind of hard to hear what it was, but with the Dragon Force show, as crazy as all the shit was going on with, you know, finger-tapping guitar and all this shit... I you know I could remember a couple of songs from the from the concert and then hear them on the record afterwards and I was like oh yeah I remember hearing that at the show and true that was pretty um pretty solid pretty solid sound for the gig I thought I find it it's it's pretty exa- I like Dragon Force it's pretty exhausting to listen to <laughs> constantly and but I got to admit through the fire and the flames holds up because I've heard that song so many times because uh, our friend Mr Coffee who uh, who some listeners might know. Uh, played that on Guitar Hero again and again and again when I was staying at his place a lot. And he got really good at that. And if he'd put that effort into learning the guitar instead of a video game, he'd be pretty good. So, <laughs> so nevertheless, it was very impressive. He was very good. At, I think he got pretty much all the way through on Expert. But, you know, oh, the, nice. the sweeping and shit's pretty insane. I finished it once on Easy. On Easy? That was yeah. pretty good. <laughs> but no, he could have been like that fucking... That little 15-year-old French girl you showed me. The little metal guitar. Oh, Tina S. She Tina was S. awesome, yeah. That shit was pretty mind-blowing. She's probably 16 now, so pff, over the hill, but when she was 15, whoo, shredded. Over the hill how? Like, you know, guitar-wise. Guitar-wise, yeah, yeah. yeah. You need the little kids and stuff, right? <laughs> well, what's the oldest? I was thinking about this, actually, as well, recently. I was going to mention... Like 16. That's like Daniel Johns, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And this brings me to my point. If Daniel Johns had died at 20, then he'd be a lot more respected, right? (laughs) Okay, this sounds harsh. (laughs) This sounds harsh and stuff, right? But you mentioned James Dean, and this is what got me onto it and stuff, right? Like... Jimi Hendrix, he's not my favorite ever, but I do like him and I like his fucking eternal kind of vibe. And he's just eternal. Him, Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain, fucking James Dean, I guess, you know, River Phoenix, if you want to say that. Maybe even like Heath Ledger and people like that. Um, it's like that fucking Anzac little poem, you know? They will not grow old as we who are left to grow old. So yeah. they have this sort of legacy in, intact. Like, can you imagine how shitty Kurt Cobain's material would have been if he'd kept on living? <laughs> I think I might have seen a bit about that sometime, but yeah, it would have been hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like him making this electronic music and shit. Or if he settled down with Courtney and they had this nice family and he took some time off. And all <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Comes back and it's sort of like Weezer with happy lyrics. <laughs> I think that's even aiming a bit above what it might have been, actually. <laughs> I reckon, oh, what would it have been like? It would be like sort of a... <sighs> Like Radiohead done by the Chili Peppers? I don't know. But early Beatles? Yeah, early Beatles, but... The Monkeys? <laughs> the Monkeys. <laughs> the Monkeys are all right. I'll show you a video of the Monkeys later. They're actually pretty talented. They're a manufactured band and everything like that. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty talented, unlike some of the ones today. Didn't they not play their instruments or something? Yeah, I think supposedly. I don't know if they do that, but um, 
nobody plays instruments at all anymore. Yeah, these days. It's all done on computers, huh? <laughs> you stand up there on stage and uh, just dance around and press some buttons on your little play thing. I don't like how how it's really hard to know who writes the songs these days as well. Yeah. How it seems like once you become some sort of icon or, you know, you get an agent and everything, it seems like they buy material for you and then it becomes yours and then... Because I swear I've heard, like, artists like Taylor Swift and stuff like that talking about how they write all their songs and shit, and then I look on these other things and there's yeah. these songwriters that have heaps of their songs. Well, I read an article about this. So who's, who's pushing what angle? Like, does she write all of the lyrics or, like... I mean, probably... I doubt it. Probably the most she does. Like, I want a song that's sort of, like, shake it off, say. She goes in there and she's like, I want a song that's sort of about, like, forgetting your regrets and worries and just, like, living in the moment and stuff. I would just like to know what percentage it is, though, because they could legitimately be these good artists. You just don't know. Mm, you don't know how much they're writing. I don't think so. A lot of it's done by committee, and I read an interesting one. But they still get their name in that oh, totally. artist little fucking thing, you know? Well, that's like, all part oh, of the charade, isn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, so you get the legit people and you read that and you're like, oh, yeah, it was totally them, and then... There's just some point when you get big enough that you just don't know anymore. Like well, ghost ghost producing for big producers and shit. Totally. Like, well, the one I heard of, I read in the New Yorker recently was I forget what they're called, but these Swedish duo and they sort go and they've got all these little sort of riffs and bits. And there's this chick, an American chick, um, who doesn't sing at all or anything. Um, well, she does sing, but not professionally. And basically, they go into the studio, they start fucking around playing little bits of it, and she just sort of like feels and snatches at little grabs of poetry and stuff out of her head and stuff and <laughs> out of that comes a rihanna song and they do it in like an afternoon and stuff like that rude boy one she just came up with that and she's like a nice christian girl and stuff but she was being interviewed and she's like yeah sometimes it's just like you know i mean i see why people think it's strange but i just get in that booth and i think what would it be like to feel like a sexy strong fierce woman like rihanna and stuff and that's, <laughs> that's what comes out like this crazy like yeah rude boy and stuff and like you i know, can totally relate to, to that, that. I've, to it. I've done the exact the exact same sort of stuff where i've um i've ghost written songs for this this african-american guy in la before or whatever yeah. and he's he's had prison time and all this kind of shit but cool. um but yeah he just he raps my my songs that I write for him because, like, I'm not allowed to to rap like that. You know, <laughs> what's the guy's name? Well, it's not even that. It's more like he likes my shit, so he doesn't. What's the guy's name? Oh, Black Mac. Black Mac. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I mean, he's a pretty serious fellow. I've been ghostwriting for him for like ten years, but yeah. I mean, he's had no a, one knows him. He's pretty. He's not. You know. I, I I think I know him by my lyric by his lyric. That's what's so evocative about it as yeah. well, too. So, oh man, Black Mac. There's a guy you don't want to mess with. I'm sure we can um, introduce one of his songs sometime, but we might keep that up the sleeve. <laughs> we will try and soon. But um, on that note, it was uh, yeah. The other bit of the article was talking about the guy called Doctor Luke, who's the Swedish guy who's he's written so many hits. Like, for instance, um, uh, I hit, might have read that as well. Yeah, uh, "Hit Me Baby One More Time" and "I Want It That Way." By Backstreet Boys and, and did he do Veronica's songs? And yeah, stuff Veronica's like that? songs. Oh, yeah, and that shit. guy's out of control. Yeah, he's he's crazy out of control. And they made because he had like four hits that were like in the top ten at the same time or some shit, yeah, didn't he? Amazing. And they all sort of sound the same, but with yeah. these different singers on them and shit. Exactly. Um, it's pretty cool. And apparently, there's what he does is he he writes them for people and it's contracted out, and he sings them and then gives them to him. But he keeps his mad tight lockdown, so none of his shit ever comes out. The reporter. <laughs> heard one of them which is the original of him singing hit me baby one more time and it's like yeah it sounded like britney 
but <laughs> but they never come out. But what was crazy is that they were talking about that sort of sound. And I remember when Hit Me Baby One More Time came out. And, like, regardless of what you think, it was, like, a fucking good pop song and shit, right? Yeah, I've remixed that bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and they were talking about how, basically, what made it such a big hit is he had this Swedish sort of melodic pop sensibility in the ABBA sort of tradition and stuff like that and applied it over that sort of American urban hip-hop type thing, which is when you think about it, it's got like, dun, 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 like this pretty dirty beat and everything. And in America, these guys were saying, yeah, like, you know, those two worlds are separate over here. But he's just like, oh, yeah, if we mix and match those, then we'll be able to get something cool and comes up with something like that. Hit me, baby, one more time. So I imagine he's uh, sitting on a giant pile of cash. And then you're waving an umbrella around, shaving your own head and... Who's doing that? Snatching at fucking invisible butterflies. (laughs) And talking about time travel with Kevin Federline. Oh, Brittany, okay. What's what's the time travel thing? I think I saw a video online of when she was just whacked out on drugs with some K-Fed and they're just talking shit to each other. Sometimes I think, like, oh, the people are in my head and just all these crap things. I think it got onto time travel at some bit. I think it was just her asking him fully seriously, like, do you think time travel's possible? No, yeah, well, that's fair. And what, what was K-Fed, the brain box K-Fed's opinion on that? I don't know. <laughs> it just seemed, seemed like they were just so fucked up. Sure, baby. It seemed, take, like, yeah, take it seemed like, it seemed like the scat day after a three-week bend. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Can I have a couple of G? That sort of thing. But, well, it's like what you were talking about, that thing earlier about fame and how it's hard to know what it was like. If she hit that when she was, like, 16 or whatever, like, how are you meant to have a normal life? Yeah. Like, blowing the shit out of Justin Timberlake and having to tell everyone she's a virgin and stuff. And Well, she's still a virgin if she blew him, right? <laughs> I think she went the whole way. Well, she's lucky she... Well, maybe Justin Timberlake's just selling the story I don't know yeah he always, I don't know if you can trust all this gossip bullshit that I know we, I mean it's we get, all, yeah. yeah I mean she's lucky she didn't it was probably up. manufactured in the first place she's lucky she didn't end up dead like uh, Lindsay Lohan but um, <laughs> what's his name Justin Timberlake always strikes me as a sort of suspicious character like I don't know there's something there's something dark they're all from that. fucking Mickey Mouse Club aren't they like yeah. it's fucked up like Ryan Gosling him is Ryan Chris, Gosling in that Christina Britney. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, there's so many of them. And it went on for, like, two generations, you know? It's fucked up. That is a weird little fucking legacy, huh? (laughs) Well, who knows about that? Oh, Jesus, that's scary. But, uh, well, to go on something a bit lighter, um... (laughs) (laughs) We'll get off this Disney pedo fucking angle, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, something a bit lighter. Uh, This sounds pretty crazy, and I haven't looked into it, but I thought I'd tell you, because it seems like something you might like. Apparently, Scott Adams, who is the cartoonist who writes, uh, who draws Dilbert, he wrote a book in 2001 called God's Debris, and it's essentially a thought experiment, an extended thought experiment, the premise of which is that if we in the universe, if there was an all-knowing, omniscient God, he understands everything, controls everything, but, but... he cannot know he knows everything but he cannot know non-existence and that's why he blew himself up and ever since he's been collecting himself back into one mind that's what set off the big bang the big bang is god not being able to understand non-existence and him shattering like the oneness of god and so the universe 
is then it all coming back to that. That's pretty fucked up. I wanted to say, oh, that's profound, but the only reason... It's because it's resonating with me, because I almost... Not in those exact words, but I've almost come to that conclusion on my own when I've been thinking about, like, consciousness and how everything's fractal and all that kind of shit. I've pretty much already... Yeah. Been there in my in my own mind before. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Well, and in, when was that written? Uh, Two thousand and one. But yeah, and it's the Dilbert guy. Yeah, it's the guy that likes Dilbert. That's what's most. Because Dilbert's about. so like fucking. I I didn't really like it. No, I don't like it. Dilbert. It's fucking. It's the same level as Kathy to me. Like, mm. oh no, my hair's wet. I can't go. And to this work. guy's on some fucking super consciousness. God fucking mm. couldn't know nothingness, so he fractalized into infinity consciousness. Ah! I don't know. Maybe he's got this. He pro- worded it really well, though. Yeah. Um, well, I thought I made a mess of it, but I wouldn't mind reading a little bit, a bit more of it. But uh, maybe that was his, because his brain was so consumed that he had to sort of draw these shitty Dilbert cartoons to sort of, <laughs> to sort of keep it occupied or whatever. <laughs> like how Gina Davis was in Mensa, but made like Cutthroat Island and shit like that. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know what you want to make of that, but that is why you cannot draw the prophet. No, you can't draw the profit at all. Because you cannot see the oneness fractal. Explain. Because we're this fractal reflection of that singularity perfection, right? Mm-hmm. Of whose perfection? Of this one thing, of so-called God, or, you know, the uh, essence of <laughs> essence of everything. Mm-hmm. So, you can't draw draw that shit. That's basically all that's about, really. Okay, I see what you're saying as well. So it's like if perfection is that oneness and existence as a as a singularity. Uh-huh. It starts, you know, it's like a sun that would be unbounded by the laws of space-time would just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and engulf the whole universe and become a singularity. Yeah. But nothing can represent that si- that single oneness with everyone calls God. Yeah. Nothing can represent that in our universe cuz we're sort of like the other side of this fractal if you thought of it like a kaleidoscope or something and it's like you can't look past that event horizon like in a black hole or something yeah and we're on this fractal reflection of that one the oneness of perfection yeah no i I understand what you mean and so so the idea is if somebody does attempt to all those old things say like oh you can't know the mind of god yeah you know just all these vague things that's all it's talking about is that if existence is the be-all and end-all and like the fact that we exist and we can think about it and you can't ever really think of the absence of everything yeah you can't know nothingness (laughs) like you know like as far back as we go to the big bang with science and all this shit you get back and it's just a spark but if you start projecting your thoughts about what happens before the big bang and all this kind of shit you're still thinking about something it never becomes an absolute void or you know, we can't actually know that. And it may happen for an instant at the end of a universe or something when it inverts and becomes another universe. It might be like, bing, this like instant of nothing, which could seem like forever. But I just don't think that... Um, I think existence trumps non-existence, you know? I think therefore I am, as Descartes said, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. But on the other hand, you're right. It is really complicated and it can lead to a lot of problems. So if, if somebody, you know, does try to like 
pictorially represent that, then it's probably a good idea to sort of like burn them or run over them with tanks. And yeah, we should like just that. stab the fuck out of them, man. Yeah, because, don't draw the wrong picture. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean people people say <laughs> those it's, fucking cunts. people say no, but people say it's unreasonable and stuff. But you know, who knows what sort of Pandoras are being let out of the box if it is a perfect universe? So like sometimes you just need to drive tanks over people. You know, and, that's some superstitious bullshit. Yeah. It's almost like they think if you draw it, it might actually, like, summon, summon, if you draw it correctly. Like, if you draw it incorrectly, you're just shitting on them and fucking with them. But imagine if you got it right and you drew Muhammad correctly, it might actually summon Muhammad. Like, sort of doing that Bloody Mary thing into the mirror or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, like... Maybe that's really why they don't want you to do it, because someone did it way back in the day and actually summoned someone. <laughs> what? What did you bring me here for? That's cool. I think I think that's pretty fucked up and bigoted. I think I just ended up comparing um, the Muslim religion to witchcraft. <laughs> that's pretty sick, though. Um, <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's just envy. They're not very good drawers, sort of thing. <laughs> But voodoo and shit still exists in some countries, you know? There's still still motherfuckers doing weird shit, so... That zombie shit's fucking crazy as well, too, supposedly, how they bring people up and trance around zombie styles. What is it? In, like, a fucking... Where is it? Haiti and, like, New Orleans and stuff, where they actually bring, like, dead people back as zombies and stuff. So, you know, the voodoo shit, or, like, do the trance-type stuff. Like, it's... Well, are they these urban legends, or...? It's an urban legend, but I've seen some pretty sus shit to do with it. <laughs> it just seems... Sounds like Weekend at Bernie's to me. But, yeah, I mean, maybe it is just a cultural difference. Like, if you took them and showed them a rave in Haiti and like oh they're getting the spirits of like the overworld and shit and they're like oh look at these thousands of people in a trance and shit is that actually just listening to trance <laughs> it was like a, a vice documentary I watched this one time a guy was going to I think it was the Congo yeah to try and find this tribe that said they still are in contact with this ancient dinosaur that lives in this little lake in the Congo or something right <laughs> that's right and when when he eventually meets the tribe and they go to this area and they're like, oh, we're going to show you the dragon, they, they try to get him heaps fucked up first and they have this whole thing where they try and feed you all this... I don't know if it was a hallucinogen or just heaps of alcohol to get you so wasted. And then once everyone's wasted, they bring out this thing that's kind of like one of those old Chinese dragons that people dance around with, you know? And the whole thing is that you would be so fucked up and, like, you like getting into that mindset that you're just tripping and you're probably, oh, this thing's a fucking dragon, you know? And you're like, This fucks you up and you like seeing this dragon and it, it, it makes sense, but... At the same time, it's like... I, oh. I know what you mean. And in a way, that's like Christianity is more sophisticated than that, but the same shit when you get thousands of people to believe that, like, there's Virgin Mary in a fucking pot plant you've got and stuff. Yeah. They don't even need the drugs and stuff. They just fucking... Well, that's the point. We don't, we don't connect with that shit anymore, so now they, like, have drugs and shit to try and conjure that experience. But at some point in the earlier renditions of our consciousness, we're like we're closer to that tripping state without having to take drugs, you know? So you're walking around and say, just for example, where in the dream time in the Aboriginal culture or something, sure. right? And you don't have to make... you. We've never... Western world hasn't contacted yet or ever. Sure, okay. So you don't have to make sense of boats. You don't have to make sense of any, you know, any of this yeah. shit. Like there's probably heaps of stuff to do with even natural 
patterns that you're not aware of. Sure. And since you don't have to be physically aware of, like, what does this object do yeah your brain being this pattern recognition thing yeah starts just assigning different different things you know and in that sort of line of thinking sorry to jump around no, all those on. topics but you could think about you could think about like adam and eve and shit and the whole the snake on the tree of knowledge right yeah and like oh if you just start eating this better food if you think of it in this way it's like they were looking at the tree and they didn't want to eat this fruit because when they're looking at the tree they don't know what it is it actually looks like a fucking snake like the branches just look like snakes and stuff like oh i don't know what it is i don't know what it is and then when you eventually break through that level of consciousness and figure out that that's not a snake and i can eat this thing on the tree and and you break through to this next level and you've objectified this tree and it's no longer this crazy fucking monster thing waving around in your brain you can see all trees and then that's gone yeah and i think that's why i have a after having thought about all that weird infinity and consciousness and all this fucked up shit for a while it's given me a deeper respect for aboriginal cultures around the world and especially ours in australia because if you were immersed in something like that and you are totally detached from any other cultures and stuff. It's it's a ho- it's a complete mind state. It's not yeah, just yeah 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 yeah. It's not just a way of life and like oh these people living in you know tribal blah blah blah. You you'd be like when the lights go out at night and the campfires yeah. on, you'd be seeing fucking rad shit in the sky to do with your stories and well, I, and then you get yeah. physically ripped out of that when the new settlers are culture right. yeah well yeah that's there's what, no i'm not saying like transcendence from culture to culture is a bad thing because it ends up at at the end of it at this awesome technology and great medicine and where we keep getting better it seems in a way if we don't destroy one it gets to a better place but at the same time it makes you feel kind of bad that physically uh, or like you know like their whole world it's not like it's just an over statement anymore no it's like their whole world actually got sort of ripped away from them consciously when all these things that were just part of their culture became objectified yeah well i've tried to understand that and yeah as well and it helps to remember that it was around for forty thousand years yeah. like we have a conception of history like i don't know how you think but my conception of history is generally only a few hundred years old sort of thing yeah and like in terms of events and stuff like that but for forty thousand years it's like yeah the same fucking bunyips it's based on the landscape like if you're nomadic and everything and like you know you've got no power you've got no tools no permanent agriculture then but all of those it makes it's sorry (laughs) Sorry, man (laughs) there's a there's a set there is like an elegance in that belief structure as well um and a harmony as well but at the same time it was as thomas hobbes the philosopher said like in pre-modern times life was uh short what was it short brutish solitary and nasty i think and he had a he had a point about that like it's kind of cool having a phone but it's kind of annoying as well (laughs) and your work's texting you and shit and you're like fuck (laughs) rainbow serpent's bothering me again thought you know well Um, i thought it was kind of cool as well though because then if you go to that extreme you can start to relate it to the bits of history hmm. and then these motherfuckers believing in dragons and shit starts making more sense and people you know like each bit where it's like oh that crazy old man like your grandfather still believes in this you know mythological thing yeah, and it's like no it kind of yeah. was real to them yeah. for a while he like, believes in like this evil japanese people and shit oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
and that's just a, that's just a, that's just, <laughs> I guess that's a little bit different. But that's, yeah, I that, go is <laughs> that's just a, that's just a dream time story to us kind that's, of thing. Now. Yeah, it's still a problem with your consciousness. No, but <laughs> I feel bad because my grandpa wasn't actually racist. That it's just like a classic grandpa, like that ah, <laughs> sort of thing. Um, well, did you know the indigenous population of Tasmania when they first saw the Europeans arrive in the 1870s? Um, at first, assumed and treated them like they were the ghosts of their ancestors who'd gone away and were coming back and I'm like that makes perfect sense yeah. you got no reference points like, who, who are these fuckers coming from the sea that's yeah. pretty smart all this cool shit like blankets and fucking guns and stuff but yeah that's the way of the world I suppose yeah that shit would trip you the fuck out seeing boats but oh, I guess they had canoes and shit though so it's not too bad it's not too much of a stretch but maybe not so many ocean all the boats clothes and, and guns and all this fucked up shit there but the problem is as well is that sometimes when these cultures meet each other and that sort of goes to like a story I wanted to tell if it's cool yeah, yeah. if I can go on um, which is what I was getting to before when I was looking at old school uh, uh, internet shit in like year 10 or something in my history class we had this project that was sort of meant to be this cutting edge interacting uh, interactive learning thing and I suppose it was in a way this is around like 2000 and stuff and it was pretty cool like it was a computer-based program where we divided into teams and we were studying the Israel-Palestine conflict and it was a computer simulation run-up where each team is a certain player in, in it. So you've got one who's like the Israeli Prime Minister. You might have somebody who's like the... Sy- what is it, a computer game? Yeah, a computer game. Like simulation is about in the year 2000. Another one who's the Syrian army or like NATO or something. And you all have... It's like a turn- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there was like the UN. And it was like a sort of turn-based but simulation where they'd done it. So you know the events unfolded depending on how each team did it and it was like a permanent thing it wasn't like you go into class it was happening sort of real time over the course of two weeks and you just had to keep it going yeah yeah and you sort of had to had to do it just to teach us understanding of like practice and stuff and i think you know i'm pretty keen on politics and i think this has maybe shaped my somewhat uh, cynical view of it is that i actually read about that and um it actually turns out that that simulation you guys thought you were playing, yeah. it was like Ender's Game, and <laughs> you guys were actually running the um, how oh, how that nation-state problem over there was going to work out, and you fucked up, son. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Unfortunately, they fucked up, because if they'd been following my advice, things might be a lot easier now. Because um, this is what happened. We were given, me and two friends, uh, the role was, <laughs> that's true, uh, is um, Mossad, who is the Israeli Secret Service. And, you know, they told us, they're like, okay, you have to sort of, like, read up on your party or who you're assigned to and how they would react. So we're Mossad doing heaps of sneaky stuff, right? And fighting for <laughs> Israel. And Forging pe- all these passports. People were doing, like, ooh, like, sorting out alliances with people to do stuff. And the teacher's like, use your imaginations and stuff. <laughs> so um, it went on It went on for a while. I wouldn't tell Cones to use his yeah. imagination. <laughs> it, went on, it went on for a while until we were in the library, like us and another team. And they abandoned that computer to go look at something. I think we even had one oh, member. Shit. Yeah. We had one member of our team go and fucking sort of... Um, some sabotage Yeah, do on. some... Ta- like, hey, come and check come and check at this sort of stuff. And this is when you just get onto those kind of computers, you know, none of this lock screen shit as much. Um, so we got on there and they were Syria and we went in there as Mossad and we launched fucking a bunch of missiles at Israel, our own country, right? <laughs> 
so it could do the pretext of us being able to go to war. Oh, but the shit. other is what year is this? Like when I was in year nine or ten or whatever. So you're doing false flag attacks? Yeah, mad, September oh, the, 11th. the falsest flag. Jesus, shooting Syrian fucking missiles out there, maybe framing Hezbollah as well. So. No one had heard of the Northwood documents back then. Yeah, Fuck. no, this is just fucking straight natural, intrinsic Machiavelli sort of stuff. Um, well, that shows you people this shit just comes natural. Well, <laughs> it's not over. While we were doing it, maybe a second time, we got greedy as spies sometimes do, I suppose, and the guys playing the Syrian thing came back and it ended up in sort of an actual fight in the library and stuff, which is <laughs> one of the few I had in store. And I thought that it was so funny that it was an Israel-Palestine simulator that <laughs> actually made these cool kids with no with no ideological or religious stake in the conflict actually made them start fucking fighting, like physically fighting. And that's when I decided that you it's could... It's the hottest conflict in the world, my friend. Yeah, and people are like, oh, this is how you solve it. But I'm like, nah, I worked out when I was 14 that you can't solve it through hard real-life experience. <laughs> so that's my story of Israel and Palestine. <laughs> oh, I like that. Fuck, the sabotage. That was a good way to go with it. Yeah, yeah, over some schoolyard bullshit or whatever, probably. Like, oh, come check this out. I can't believe they got that cut about it. Because mm. wasn't that legit? Wasn't the teacher after that like, yeah, that was pretty fucking dope but you know in that what did the teacher say about sabotage did they find out that you launched Syria's nukes i think they did or like missiles i think they did but when you're playing at that stake the teacher is ultimately no more powerful than the un like you're calling the shots sort of thing yeah but why why were these other students that you sort of sabotaged so fucking cut about it when it's just part of this gay school because it was fucking it's just when you're playing for it you start to feel those (laughs) those religious and tribal hatreds and shit like you know israel whatever i can take it or leave it but during the game and everything it was just like yeah yeah we've got to go do this we've got to go beat them it's just you know it's you put humans in a certain framework and they start being sort of competitive and sneaky and stuff like that and just wanting to win fucking dodgeball all over again and the stakes were pretty high in that library (laughs) back in that day so there you go nice (laughs) (laughs) one old old internet shit go on i think uh i think meatspin.com got cancelled a few years ago (laughs) (laughs) is it not up there still I don't believe so. Let's have a look. I doubt it is. Midspin was always a classic at uh, at school. It's uh, good if you just want a meat raffle quickly and you don't have the um the time to set it up for yourself. You can just click on meatspin dot com and yeah. get a meat raffle straight just away. Just get a meat raffle. It just goes round and round. Oh, I'll man. tell you what it is if it's not there anymore. This is taking me back to internet days as well too. Oh, Meat Spin's right there. Oh, man, it seems like Meat Spin has been reinstated. <laughs> oh, god damn. How many spins? So, it gets to a number of spins, and then you become officially gay. You become officially gay. We've sat through 46. Which, oh! Uh, 46 or 47. Yeah, uh, only 48 spins, making, and you're officially gay. That's fucked up. This is making me sick, though. Oh, the internet's ruined us all. Oh, that was probably one of the the worst flashbacks you can go back to, but... I can't believe you put that on there. Oh, the internet, yeah. <laughs> back well, we're there. pretty pro-transgender on this show, so I just thought... We I'd, are pro-transgender. I thought I'd share some with, uh, with Cones. That wasn't transgender necessarily. It was just the dude getting fucked in the ass, right? <laughs> Was that? I didn't look closely enough, I guess, but... Was I looking at something else? Fuck. You could be right, my friend. You could be right. 
and well, that guy's a fucking hero. And <laughs> you know who else may be a hero? We mentioned him the other day, Captain Sully, who landed that plane. <clears throat> it said, I was looking it up afterwards, and on Wikipedia it said, da, 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 da. some people at the end of the introduction paragraph, some people consider him a hero. And I'm like, given how much bullshit's on Wikipedia, like, who's not going to call him a hero? Like, that seems like such weasel words. Who's going to be like, oh, he's not really <laughs> stuff. Like, landing this plane. I fucking listened to the audio of after taking it off, and he pretty much landed the plane with everyone safely on board in the Hudson in the middle of winter, yeah. only tore a bit off the bottom, and that, the only reason that got torn off was because the fucking Airbus overrid what he was doing manually at the very last second. He wanted to, like, pull up and do it a bit better, and I overrid it, but <clears throat> I thought it was... I thought it was interesting. Yeah, that was epic. Because everyone... Because they all just got out and stood on the wings. Like, yeah. yeah everyone, cool. Every, yeah, they got away sweet. Um, <laughs> and everyone um, is like, oh, it's a miracle and everything. And I read up on it, and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's pretty impressive. But the dude, he started flying planes from, like, 12. Yeah, it's not he's, a miracle. Yeah, he's he a fucking okay. badass. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, he's got, like, 20,000 hours flying experience, flew fighter jets in, in the Army, in the Air Force and everything, and also has a degree from West Point in uh, industrial psychology, which is... <laughs> I'd never heard of it but it's sort of team management in sort of like employment type situations and i'm like okay that makes sense how he got the cabin crew to work like that involved to get that thing landing and i thought it was crazy how his whole life he'd been trained like that yep there's this sort of stuff and it's like two and a half minutes he had after taking off before he went in the pla- in the in the water and i'm like oh it's such like a well-oiled machine and shit and i'm like <laughs> i respect that so uh, i'm sorry captain sully for putting you in my fuck marry kill um <laughs> The, and the one other thing that was cool about that is that it was a flock of Canadian geese that went through the engine that actually caused it. And the summer after it happened, New York State wildlife employees went around all the area fucking gassing the geese population and shit so it wouldn't happen again. I don't know what gassing the geese looks like. But I'm like, that's crazy. And also finding that eggs and covering them in corn oil and it kills them. Mm. I'm, like, I'm like, that's a pretty psycho little thing to do. <laughs> Fuck. Sucks to be a goose. <laughs> it does suck to be a goose. Oh, but yeah, fuck yeah. Sally's pretty hardcore landing that shit, and who who was giving who was giving him a hard time? Oh no, it's just saying on Wikipedia like, oh, some people say that he's a hero, as if it's like up for question sort of. <laughs> <laughs> That's what annoyed me. I'm like, oh, it's pretty. If anyone deserves to get called that, as opposed to like fucking you know david campisi or something or whatever and all these religious people trying to steal his hero away with fucking miracle bullshit fuck who captain sully yeah it was the miracle yeah it was his training and everything and maybe maybe a touch of a lie all right you ready what do you got you're having a dinner party the six guests what sort of venue is it going to be and what sort of food are you going to be serving just go with uh, your gut. Six people only, though. And oh. it can't be on Mars. No, it can't be on Mars or have any of the people that you sent to Mars. It's here on Earth. <laughs> it has to be on Earth and in the present day. You can have fictional people, though, as well, too, if you want. <laughs> There's a touch of magic here. Right. We'll have it in international waters. <laughs> What sort of area? South Pacific or North Atlantic? Off the coast of the Caribbean. Yeah, okay. North Caribbean waters. Uh, on like a massive yacht. Okay, so a massive... I'm, I'm seeing it. Like, yeah, St. Bart's, those super rich getaway sort of yeah. thing, giant catamarans, 
crystal clear azure waters all the stuff you want from barbados um like jeremy our former butler uh, he's there he's great um who would you have Whew. i'll take asa akira who's asa akira it's a porn star okay all right and then Fair i'll thing. take uh she's wearing a lovely fetching red evening number so i'll take um i'll try and stay above amateur so i don't seem too dirty <laughs> this is an odd way to start a dinner party but if i go amateur as well i can probably fill the six spots but it's just gonna make me seem so bad <laughs> So we got we got Asakura. Um, try and try and think expansively. Oh, I was trying to go select. You were trying to think with your dick, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this is this is this a pendulum swinging perhaps a bit the other way? Out? Yeah, that's sausage fest. reversing it. Yeah, sausage fest. Okay, we'll try and think of more sort of like chop and change. We'll take Michael Jackson as well. Okay, Michael Jackson. All right. Uh, that's good. I choice. guess. We'll take... Which one's better for him? We can take 12-year-old Macaulay Culkin. Okay, 12-year-old Macaulay Culkin. It's just to keep Jacko occupied. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Macaulay was a very entertaining... And they apparently didn't have any problems together, so it's all wholesome, mm. but it just keeps him, you know, mm. showing Macaulay dance moves and shit. Yeah, okay. Um, all right. And okay. then we get this cool dancing and the whole... Like, yeah, all right, so he's the entertainment sort of... Yeah. Okay, all right. Okay. And it keeps his urges at bay. Just having Macaulay having on the Macaulay side in. of the stage. Like, you calming down. <laughs> 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 Fuck, talk about being left home alone. Um, okay, who else? Is this toothbrush approved by the American Dental Association? <laughs> <laughs> Michael, I'm going through all your stuff. You better come out and pound me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay. So you got that. Oh! What was the name of the first chick? Aziz Ansari, was it? Uh, what was it? <laughs> no, what? Yeah, fuck him too. <laughs> okay. No, who was it? <laughs> um, Asa Akira. Asa Akira, okay. And Asa Michael Akira. Jackson. Yeah. And Macaulay Culkin. Fuck, I left Arnie on Mars. That sucks. Yeah, you can't take Arnie. He's busy. Uh, who's going to be good for a party, though, you know? Yeah, okay. So you I'll want take to... Andy Dick. <laughs> okay, Andy He's Dick. going to bring a fuck ton of drugs. That's right. So this is an evening sort of party? <laughs> uh, in the sunset. It has to, you know, the light shimmering off yeah. the water and shit. And sure. Like nice what... blue-red contrast kind of thing. Yeah. Like the time when Hollywood days become Hollywood nights, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like Miami, but no fucking laws out in the middle of the... Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, that's good. I like that as well. Okay, so they're coming over. They're coming over this evening. Um, who else? We've got two more. So I've got, I've got Asa, we got MJ, and i got... Macaulay and Andy, Andy Dick. <laughs> and who? Andy Dick. Andy Dick. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, someone's got to tell me some jokes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, you've got to have some conversationalist, right? You're gonna, who are you going to want to talk to? I'll get uh, Bill Burr there so they can just shit on everyone else at the party and it can be really funny. Yeah, okay, all right. All right, that sounds good. Like saying it to everyone or just sort of saying it to you? Ah, this party sucks. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. Like you can leave if you want, mate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. I'll give you a couple more because Macaulay's a fucking life jacket. Macaulay's small, he's a child, and Jacko's sort of emaciated, so there's room for a couple more. Um, 
So who else? Um, so we got Billy Burr. Yep. Uh, You've only got one girl. Yeah, it seems to be a problem of mine. I'll tell you what, you can have, <laughs> you can have one more person and another kid. <laughs> but make sure they're a mature kid like Macaulay. Well, we'll take Corey Feldman. Yeah, I picture them. Okay, great. What so kind they of can hang out together. I just want to do that as well because they both said they didn't have any problems with Macaulay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We're keeping it all um, above board. It's nice of you to invite both of them. Oh. <laughs> okay, so that's the other kid. He's, he's <laughs> One more adult. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like that we were talking about. Corey Feldman is like eternally a teenager because he died. Or, or did, went away or whatever, yeah. <laughs> Corey Hain <died. laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, I have to say that the intellectual discussion isn't probably going to be huge at this mm. this party. Well, everyone's going to be fucked. Andy Dick's there. Yeah, he bought the Coke. <laughs> oh, man. Again. <laughs> yeah. So just one chick still? One chick? And slave princess Leia. Princess Leia, and what would we be? So he's, I guess she's tied to Jabba the Hutt, so so he comes. We're gonna need a bigger boat. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right, well, Jabba's not a person, so that's yeah. It's like if if a blind person came, you wouldn't say that dog can't, can't come. So <laughs> if Slave Leia is coming, then Jabba, I guess, is coming too. <laughs> and what are you gonna serve here? Water. Water. Okay, salt or fresh. Fresh water. Fresh water. For the drugs. Good choice. Good choice. Yep. To wash down some of those drugs that Andy bought. Um, fuck. No one's going to want to eat. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> so we'll serve pancakes. Pancakes. All right. That sounds good. It's for the entree. Yeah. Do you reckon any of them would eat or would they be too fucked up from drugs and stuff? Is Michael Jackson on drugs? He'd eat pancakes. Yeah, he'd have some pancakes as well. Yeah, he'd make pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Corey and Macaulay, they'll probably have a few of those. Maybe not Corey. He might have sort of like a bit of meth, meth mouth, and, mouth and stuff. Um, <laughs> bit of Mac mouth. Yeah. So all of these. So, okay, we've got Asia. Uh, what's her name? Asia what? Uh, Asa. Asa. Asa Akira, yes. Is she of the Eastern Persuasion? Uh... I'm not sure which brand of agent she is. No. Okay. All right. Um, so it's her, Macaulay Culkin, Corey Feldman, Michael Jackson, Andy Dick, Bill Burr, and Leia is the slave princess with Jabba tied to her. And you're eating pancakes. With water. With fresh water. Um, and that's on a boat in the Caribbean. And thank you very much. I'll just send this text. And... I have already optioned it as a film for MGM. It's called The Elemental Discourses, and I've been fronted $200 million for it, so it's getting made now. Do you want to play your own role? Yes, or- I do. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, I was trying to think. Okay, don't take this the wrong way, but in terms of who I would get to play you. <laughs> probably the first thought that came to mind was Jake Beauty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, take that. What about me? Well, how rough are we going? 
<laughs> like it still has it still has to be um yeah it has to be in the ballpark if yeah. you gave me a Jake Busey that's pretty nice uh, like biopic like rough biopic like yeah. Sue Warts and all Oliver Stone's directing it <sighs> Jake Busey in dope you can have Elijah Wood then <laughs> uh, <laughs> stick stick some frames on him yeah oh that's pretty upsetting <laughs> I was hoping at least Ethan Hawke or something but <laughs> All I thought when you said Jake Busey was him out of Tomcats as well, just like this fucking... Oh, <laughs> Tomcats. That movie, these lad bro things normally don't bother me too much, but that movie was like, it actually makes me feel sick thinking about it. All this shit like, it's like running after the eyeball and like, enough about, less said about that movie, the better I um, what was your theory about you told me early something about Jar Jar Binks being evil oh my brother sent me an article during the week um, it was like this whole reddit thread about Jar Jar Binks and like if you took it as him being the original the character in the pre the prequel trilogy that would sort of be the bad version of Yoda and okay. and then the way that they framed it in this thing was like there was so much vitriol and shit after episode one that George Lucas just wrote him out of the story as that epic character. But the way that they were saying this shit makes it pretty pretty hilarious. Is sort it? of like he was going to be the sleeper character. Yeah. Okay. Why else would he do it? Huh. <laughs> All right. Like I can understand so, that. He's so nice and like getting in with the Jedi and telling um Anakin that princess amadal is hot and all this shit and yeah just all this weird this weird manipulative shit that. Like, him having these crazy sort of ideas about it and drawing on these parallels and, and stuff. acting like a fucking retard the whole time so yeah. like when you first meet yoda you're like, <laughs> yeah cannot get just you about <laughs> but i see what you mean as a counterpoint it's like you know how it's like i imagine you know the first new trilogy didn't work out very well but the big scope of it and stuff it was like oh here's padme she like balances like carrie and da 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 and they sort yeah. of like opposites and play off like with i, I think see- it goes into it with this whole ring well, ring theory thing there's like see- a something on the internet that you can put over it that relates to the way they've explained it as well well, I can see what you mean. Like when they get when they get the opposites, and say he's thinking of someone like Yoda, he's like, "Oh, that's sort of wisdom and sort of like, oh, like heaps of mindfulness." And then crosses over to that the opposite of that is Jar Jar, who is sheer sort of like, just like, oh, like in the spur of the moment, like not wisdom, like naivety and da da da. And then you go over and you've got like on one side you've got Yoda who's Asian, and then so you've got Jar Jar Binks who's black, you know, <laughs> and that sort of like mixes it all up. And. It goes into it as well, even to the point where it's saying that he's doing these minor hand gestures and shit when he's in episode two in the Senate and all this stuff, talking to the Senate, act, they're acting like he's Jedi mind tricking like all these people at the same time, like he's the baddest dark Jedi motherfucker ever. Like, oh, we don't need democracy. <laughs> <laughs> just waving the shit away, like, yeah. Fuck. Okay. And that Dooku was just a write-in because you know Jar Jar just failed in the first episode so they had to fuck it off and that Dooku shit with the Trade Federation it was supposed to be Jar Jar doing all this like manipulative shit and um, Sidious really you know it's like the Emperor isn't even really the main guy it's like yeah. Jar Jar survives the entire thing exactly and he's pulling strings all the way through it's, like, <laughs> it's fucked up it's like the Emperor is the fucking like dictator guy who wants the coup and fucking Jar Jar is Bennett you know <laughs> he's the real one that kind of comes out <laughs> 
But um, that would be crazy, this giant, long, sweeping thing about Jar Jar Binks. Uh, yeah, what you other should read the Reddit thread. It was pretty fucked up. What, what other stuff do you think he'd be saying when he had a lot of power and everything? <laughs> like, I don't know. He seems like he's smarter than I thought. <laughs> Maybe something from the Lost Scripts, I think, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love this environment. Burn in the depths of hell, honey. <laughs> Oh, Jar Jar. I better stop before it gets, gets low. Gets low, yeah. You don't want that to get too low. <laughs> so I saw this guy, Wim Hof, recently. I yeah. think it was on an episode of Joe Rogan Experience. Mm. He's this... He's from Scandinavia. I can't remember which country at the moment, sorry. Um, but he, he's like known as the Iceman, and he do, he's done all these hectic challenges. You might have seen him, just don't remember his name. Uh-huh. But like sitting under like in ice for way longer than people think is possible and mm-hmm. just doing all these fucked up um fucked up things and he learnt it from just being in Scandinavia and then going in the cold water. He's from Netherlands. Oh. And uh he has this breathing technique that he was showing and basically you just breathe in really hard like so there's like pressure and you breathe in completely and then sort of as you're gently breathing out you get sort of about halfway and then do the <gasps> breathe in really hard again and, and do it about 25 times and you get kind of hyperventilating in the head but it's not too bad you sort of feel and the way he explained it you sort of start feeling supercharged and stuff yeah and i'd never done it before and he says at the end of it as well to add to this sort of health benefits thing that after the 25th time you take a breath and then you hold your breath for as long as you can and then when you're starting to be like oh, i can't hold my breath anymore you just try and hold it as long as long as you can and then he said you slap your neck, your head, and, like, your your stomach or something, and it sort of stimulates these points where, you know, you got glands and shit, like pituitary glands, and yep. it stimulates your lymphatic system. Um, but I hadn't done it before. And on the Rogan show, uh, Joe Rogan did it for the first time, held his breath, and he held it for, like, two and a half minutes. And I'm like, fuck, I guess Joe Rogan is quite an athletic, you know, does a lot of workout shit and... I was like, that's pretty fucked up. And then I I was doing it along with the show, and I didn't realize that you're supposed to hold your breath, so I was like, oh, whatever, and I forgot about it for the day. I tried it again the next day and remembered to hold my breath at the end, and I held my breath for like a minute 45. Yeah, nice. I'm like, I've never tried to do that breath-holding shit before, and it's just fucked up. It seems like it is actually this legitimate thing where you're forcing oxygen into your cells and you can last way longer after you do this breathing technique without having to breathe and he's been on this shit for like 25 years mm-hmm. and back then he was saying saying like no i reckon what i'm doing is scientifically doing this and that and everyone just wrote him off like uh-huh. scientists okay. saying oh you're the exception to the rule and all this shit you right. know how like nazi scientists and shit did all these fucked up experiments with yep. cold and yep. all that kind of stuff so when he would keep breaking these limits that old science had about how long you can withstand cold and how cold you can go and what happens to your core temperature and all this shit, he keep he would keep defying it. And they're like saying, no, you're just the exception to the rule. It doesn't mean that the, the science isn't solid. And yeah. it was just so insane to him. So he's kept refining his like breathing technique and doing all these stunts and shit. And he's finally just started getting scientists to like, put you know measuring what he's doing and shit and it's turning out that whatever he's been doing and these techniques that he does he actually does he's become 
in control of his like I forget what he was referring to it of his like endo endocrine system sure like with all these hormones and shit and he can stimulate his own immune system and shit and yeah it's hard to tell where it's hard to tell where kind of the cultiness begins and where it is actually just people super in touch with the kind of the but he had like legit scientists supposedly measuring his core temperature while he's in this ice bath and it dropped down to 32 point something which apparently most people just go down and flatline because your core's fucked and he's just and he managed to bring he brought it back up after doing some (laughs) shit I can't remember if that was the one when he had the ice on him. There was a few different examples he went through. And the breathing technique was really cool because that just worked for me straight away with holding your breath. But it seemed like he sort of has it linked in with this cold this cold thing as well, like where the cold stimulates your immune system. So maybe the breathing on its own just doesn't do this shit. But firsthand, I was like a minute 45 with no prior trying to hold your breath training. I thought that was fucked up because I don't think I've ever really gone past like 35 seconds before just not hyperventilating first or anything. And it it seems a little bit different to hyperventilating. It seems more like you're forcing this shit in and it didn't feel like I was going to pass out, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. So that was kind of cool. So check out the Iceman, um, Wim Hof, W-I-M-H-O-F and fuck just try that shit like once have a check out of how he does his breathing thing and then try and hold your breath after doing it and I'll guarantee I don't know if I can guarantee it guarantee it money back guarantee well fuck like I I freaked myself out like I started playing guitar at about a minute 15 and I was like oh maybe if I distract myself it'll be a bit better and then got to about a minute 30 and then I started freaking out like oh this is it's a bit fucked I should probably breathe soon and then got to a minute 45 and I don't know how much I could have pushed it mentally more. I could have pushed out maybe. But. Sorry, it's just a pretty funny mental image of you sitting here just chilling in your own room kind of thing. <laughs> Not like breathing. Holding your breath, picking up a guitar, like, rah, 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 like, kind of <laughs> like if you're a fly on the wall. But that's cool. That's cool. It's just crazy when I thought of it like that. Just testing out this uh, Wim Hof technique. Yeah. We all do such shit when we're alone, I guess. <laughs> but that, that's barely the sussest. Oh. <laughs> Fuck. Well, that's crazy. Um, so yeah, check that guy out. And sometimes I guess you need a bit of that sort of mindfulness in, in modern life and stuff. Cause I, <laughs> I read an essay recently by Tim Winton who wrote cloud street and stuff. And I haven't read his books, but in the essay, in the essay, he made quite a good point that he was like, he was looking philosophically about the passage of time and technology in his life. And he was like, every time we get new technology to make our lives easier, when it it's like does do a certain thing like that but when we can't use it and when it fails us we get super mad so it's just adding a bunch of things that we get super mad about right <laughs> like that thing that used to be evolutionary you're like oh getting mad you had anger for a certain uh, purpose and now you're just getting mad at like stupid gay technology type <laughs> shit right um, just outlet and the worst i saw the other day and i tried trying to do it too much but i uh, was loading up a karaoke program at home we we're trying out a few and i was already annoyed because they're being heaps fuckery like <laughs> these like fake subscribery things and it had a progress bar loading and the progress bar just wouldn't quite load and then started jerkily with no rhythm flashing back and forward like to halfway <laughs> and back and forth like the progress bar they're annoying enough and it just started going back and forth with no rhyme or reason and oh man that almost you like, put your fist through the TV almost, <laughs> almost kicked my laptop to death or whatever you know <laughs> a progress bar that just does that just well, if you need to do some chin ups <laughs> fuck no fuck man like I can completely relate to that but yeah 
exercise for sure. But yeah, I should, <laughs> I should get the energy out somewhere. And um, that, and I guess my little laugh of the week, um, you might like this, is uh, if I can be indulged. Uh, when I was up in Katoomba, I went with my girlfriend down to that little scenic railway they've got, like the super steep railway where you go down to the bottom of the um, national park and walk around. Yeah, yeah. And they've got a gondola that comes back up now. <laughs> and we got in the gondola and there's about like 40 people or something like that, right? And there's a guy who's running it like, G'day, like I'm Rick, like just doing a little speech, like ha ha ha, while it's going up to the top, pointing out some things. So it goes for about five minutes. And at one point he says something like, up the, he's like, all right, we're getting off soon. So you can just exit through here. And like one member in the crowd, because you're in an enclosed space. It's yeah. not like people are just chatting. Everyone's listening to it. And one like funny blokey guy goes, ha, through the gift shop, I bet, or something like that, right? And people are like, ha ha ha, like have a bit of a laugh. And then I think it may be the guy who's leading it says one other thing, but then this like middle-aged mum lady, after that first laugh, like right after it sort of, just goes, yeah, so we paid you, pay your wages. Like this, like says it loud, trying to go for the laugh. We pay your wages. And it, like, ha ha ha. Like there was one person who did it. And it was like this fucking South Park thing sort of thing, you know? <laughs> Everybody laughing so hard at the first one. And she just got so socially embarrassed. <laughs> Like, I don't want to be a bitch, but I hope she understands just how kind of painful it was, like, socially. <laughs> like, right after this big laugh. It's like, oof, you went for it and it didn't work. Fuck. She'll be better next time. You live, you learn, as Alanis Morissette <laughs> said, so. <laughs> Even Seinfeld bombs. Even Seinfeld <laughs> <laughs> He's been bombing for ten years. <laughs> What's the deal with that? <laughs> What's the deal with me being not funny? <laughs> and uh, one final thought to, to settle on is that dirt bikes are sort of fine. Like, I don't mind seeing trail bikes driven around. But whenever I see someone riding them around wearing all the kind of, like, trail bike gear... All the armor and... Well, all, like, and the logo shit, I'm like, man, fucking... Why are you dressed like that out here? You should be at, like, crusty demons of dirt. Like, if you're not there, <laughs> don't dress like that. It looks like these little kids riding around. <laughs> These, that fo- used these to fuck, fox shin pads. It used shit. to fuck me up as well because uh, a dirt bike used to live quite close to me. It lived. And like, went, yeah, and went. <laughs> yeah, the bike did. <laughs> yeah, some I don't know who the fuck it was, but a guy that yeah. rode a dirt bike lived Shut around up. the same area. And I'd be driving home from work at the pizza place like 10 yeah. years ago yeah. um, doing late shifts. So it'd be like one in the morning or, you know, you've been somewhere after the pizza shift and it's like it's fucking late. And I'd be driving home pretty blazed and everything is totally cool as it is when you're blazed driving if you've got a brain um but shit can fuck you up if it's unexpected <laughs> when oh, you're high so i'm like so i'm driving this way that i always drive home and a few times in the rear vision mirror i'd be like what the fuck and these this light single light would appear but it would seem way too high in the rear vision mirror and then just in the shadow of this light, I could just see this sort of bar going across oh. really high. And it just looked like a fucking UFO. Yeah. You mean and the Fairlight Angel, right? <laughs> it's like, so awesome, oh my God, well, what the fuck is that following me? And I, I'm sure it happened one or two times. And then after a couple of times, I finally like had a look. Or like when I got to the wharf at Manly or some shit, it went up past the side of me. 
yeah. instead of just being behind me the whole time freaking yep. me out. And it was a dirt bike and the guy was riding <laughs> with his elbows really high. So it had this like flat line across the top and this light. So it looked like sort of this flying saucer thing <laughs> ab- ab- above the light, you know, like the line yeah. was above the light. So it's like the light was the hovering bit and the shit was above the light. So it just oh. totally looked like a UFO, but it's just fucking... A dirt bike and you're too high. Was that <laughs> was that on the Wakehurst Parkway? Because apparently the Wakehurst Parkway is actually haunted by ghost cars. <laughs> I've heard that. For real. I, I have had it on the Wakehurst Parkway, yes. But no, that that one was mainly coming back into Manly, the um, the cheeky way I like to go. Not, not as many people go. Yeah, I think it's when you think that you're seeing ghosts, it's actually just this like unguarded little moment when you realise the horror of existence, sort of. <laughs> Like, wait, I don't understand anything that's going on. Yeah, Like, exactly. bing, you got it right. Yeah. But then, some distractions. <laughs> Keep you back on task. <laughs> don't have time to worry about that. And that, I think, is the moral of the Cones and Doe show. <laughs> and I think one of the things that really sort of is transcendent that we need to describe that is music. And we have some music to finish for you. Yeah. I guess I've probably transcended this music. <laughs> it's a track I wrote about 10 years ago. So, Why not? Why not? It's called On The Hill. It's uh, basically about being on the hill. Sounds good to me. It was a pleasure, though. Oh, one last thing? Yes. Do you, do you like pudding? What's that? Do you like putting these nuts in your mouth? Alright, see you, Cones. Dude, I got like tea <laughs> At boarding school, they held me down. They teabagged me. And that brings up really, really bad memories. Really bad memories. When they took those balls away, I was just so upset. <laughs> see you, though. See you, Cones. I used to measure grams of my hand on the hill To sell for bills and steal will and people on the hill The rebel yells ringing in your ears like shells And when you see me, you know I started on the eastern stacking these plastic notes Smoking cash on the hill If you're selling the open, you get bashed on the hill If you're smoking and choking, you get skipped in the cypher Just to tell you how I feel I live for the hill, this motherfucker is real Got his stories from the hill Used to live for the steel and got clipped on the hill When you live in the hill, everybody wants a Match. You see the bitches with their hand out and they're screaming from the skills Cause I'm flying from clear On the hill, on point, my mental is clear I bring the hill to the joint with the boys in the spot Sending smoke rings to honeys, we're drinking with the money Taking back to the hill If this chick's on the field, I'm gonna work for the ass Get drunk on the hill, smoke joints when I'm fucking Lady Luck will be sucking up on the snake on the hill Have a ducking and loving the way the tongue's hitting triples When I'm tweaking the nipples, we're smoking sex on the hill Got a couple of people who'll break your neck for a on the hill, when I'm out, I got a bone to the zone, trying to clone the throne. On the hill, we be kings, run the things with the ring that'll cut you. Rip that, you try and scruff with the whiplash. I hit fast and harder than an elephant stomp when I kick ass. My fist so fast, feel the present, see the past. Cause when it's on, on the hill, man, it's over, man. I'm the ace in the deck, you're a joker. Out of play, out of my way, what did I say? Double once, he ain't there, it ain't fair. Blind green in heaven, in the sky, on the ride for eternity. Peace to the most high, another time and place. Locked down, we could've been brothers on the hill. With the mother of God, playing marbles with the planets and stars. The smoking mother on the hill, if you stay in the game.
game, you want your ass on the hill When the shit is for real, so don't play When the blood spills, you take it too far You're getting killed, sign your will for real If you're gonna fucking kill, for real I grew up right on the hill, I found the mic on the hill